Okay, so with that said, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, I want to ask you to open it to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 22 in just a second. And today, we're beginning a new series called By Design. It's going to focus on marriages. Man, I'm excited about this. But now, just a side note up front. If you are single, are not yet married, or you're planning to be married, but you had not found the right man or woman yet, don't tune this whole series out, okay? This is for you too. And what, the thing I really want to stress to singles right now, if you will heed this before you get married, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble down the road, all right? So don't just tune us out this morning if you're not married. But back to the married for just a second, I am extremely excited to start this series. And to be honest, I start this, this series as we approached it with a burdened heart. And I'm going to tell you why. Since we started the church in January of 2016, since we had our first services, I have seen Satan attack marriages in a way that is unlike anything I have ever seen before. There can be no doubt. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, one of those demonic kooks who's like, my, car, my tire's flat and everything's of the devil, right? Sometimes we just have a flat tire. I get that. But there can be no doubt that some of the oppression that's come on, marriage, uh, on marriages in our church has been directly from Satan in an attempt to stop what God's trying to do. I've seen Satan attack marriages. I've seen marriages fall apart. And I see a lot of marriages every Sunday morning that come in here that if I can be quite honest with you, are just struggling to survive. And even worse, there's some who are not struggling to survive. You have accepted the mundane. You understand what I'm saying in that? You've accepted that this is all it's ever going to be. It's not going to be any better. I'm going to be less than happy my whole life, right? And so we've seen it all over But if I can be honest with you, most of the problems that I've heard about, that I've seen over the past year and a half, and that I've walked with people through come back to one main problem with marriage. And that's this. Our view of what marriage is, is jacked up. Our view of what we think marriage is supposed to be is messed up. Let me explain it to you a little bit like this. We live in a post-notebook an increasingly self-centered world. Everybody know the notebook? Who's in here and hasn't watched the notebook? All y'all guys is lying because you know you've watched the notebook with your wife or your girlfriend before, right? But let me tell you what I'm talking about. In this world, in this post-notebook world, this Nicholas Sparks, every day's a love story world, everybody wants a love story that looks like a romantic movie. I was in Books of Me the other night, and uh, I was, me and Danny just by ourselves, and uh, Jenna was, somewhere else, and I was just strolling Danny through the, the, the shelves of book, Books of Me, and we turn on one aisle, and it's the romantic novel aisle, and this thing looked like it was a marathon long. I mean, both sides of the aisle, romantic novels, some probably good, some I could tell were obviously trash and poorly written, right? but they have these books in there because they sell. Right? They're not taking up shelf because nobody, shelf space because nobody's buying them. Everybody's hungry for this type of romance, right? And it makes it worse. More than that, we're self-centered. Our main goal in our life is our personal satisfaction. Pretty much all of us could say that this morning. And that combination makes for a dangerous mixture when people get married and are hit with the realities of what it means to unconditionally love somebody. Because let's all be honest, and if you're married, you can say amen here. Our best days of marriages don't look like the notebook. 
I hadn't had a day yet that my wife was like, man, can we go rowing in the pond and the Canadian geese are going to come out, right? Hadn't had a day like that yet. If I could look like Ryan Gosling, maybe, maybe, but not yet. And we're so selfish, if we can be honest, that we're our own worst enemy in marriage. We all want good marriages. The problem is most of us don't know how to have one, and there are a lot of us here today that don't know that that even exists. Like, we're questioning, is it possible to have a good marriage, right? So what we need more than anything today is to abandon our small, messed-up view of marriage and go back and see what God's Word says about what marriage is and how He says it should be performed. Basically, what we need is we need to go back and lay some good foundation for our marriages to be built on. Listen, I want to explain something to you. Marriage is a big deal. Like, I've been to marriages before or uh, weddings before and people are getting married and everything's a joke, right? Like, this person's laughing and this person's laughing and the groomsmen don't know that they're at a wedding. They kind of act like they're at like a sports bar and they're like, hey, man, you're getting married. And nobody takes what's going on seriously. That is my number one pet peeve in all of life because, listen, marriage is such a big deal that if we could understand how God views it for just a second, we wouldn't joke about it at all. Marriage is like a skyscraper. When you build a skyscraper, you know how you start by building a skyscraper? You start by not going up but by going down. you got to have a good anchor, a good firm foundation. So today what we're going to do is we're going to dig deep into God's Word and we're going to lay some strong foundation. And if you'll listen to the Word of God this morning, listen, married couples, single people, if you'll listen to the Word of God this morning, not my advice, because listen, I've been married for three years now. I don't have very much good advice on marriage. But if you'll listen to the Word of God on this, you can have a marriage that is exactly as God meant it to be. It won't be easy, but it'll be God-honoring. But if you hear the Word today and you ignore it, you don't heed it, I'm going to tell you what you'll be. Most likely, you'll be another divorce statistic that shows Christians don't really value marriage like they say they do. Or at the very least, you'll live in misery with a person you don't even really like the rest of your life. Or you could just not fulfill God's purpose for your marriage and float day to day. None of those seem like real good options to me. So today I want us to lay some foundations for what a good marriage looks like. And just a side note right here at the very beginning. If you're here today, I don't know, any, I don't know everybody's history, but if you're here today and you've been married before, and now you're getting, and now you may be divorced or maybe even you're remarried. Let me give you just a little bit of encouragement to start out with. Because you start talking about marriage, and a lot of what people do is they say, Man, I've already messed up so much. Listen, one thing you can't control was yesterday. But God gives grace for us to say, Today I'm going to do what God's told me to do. Today. So let's pick up and go from there. Listen, at the very outset, I want to give you two foundations we're going to build on today. And then we're about to read the scripture passage. So if you have a Bible, Ephesians 5, here's, what, here's the two foundations I want you to see in this text. There are two foundations to a Christian marriage. Number one is this, marriage is built on Jesus, okay? And number two is marriage is built on surrender and sacrifice. So if you've got a Bible, let's start in verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5 and let's read. And the word of God says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit and everything to the husbands. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let me pray for us. God, Lord, I know we're here today. And God, there are people and their experience with marriage is all over this room. Dear God, there are some who are happily married. There are some who are never married. And dear God, there are some who just want to know what you want for their marriage. Dear God, then there are some who are here today and want marriage but haven't got it yet today. Dear Lord, I pray that through your word, you would minister to each and every one of them, dear God, because I know that I'm unable to do so, Father. And God, I just pray for those that are here this morning. There may be someone here who does not have a personal relationship with you, Jesus. And God, I just pray that the day would be the day of salvation for that person, God. Please, would by your saving power and grace, would you work today in a way to glorify yourself and hide me behind your cross. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so let's dive right in here. The first foundation I want you to see today that marriage is built on is marriage is built on Jesus, okay? This is the single most important foundation for our marriages to be built on. It's Christ himself. It's Christ himself. If you do not start out with Christ as the cornerstone of your marriage, you are on sinking sand from the very beginning. What I want you to see this morning, I want you to see a few things. When I I say marriage is built on Jesus, I want you to see a few things. Number one, I want you to see that marriage is about Jesus. Look look at this passage, and if you read it, Christ is referenced in some way in this passage 13 times. In, In 11 verses, Christ is referenced 13 times. It's all about Jesus. It's revolving around about Jesus. This whole thing is about Jesus. You can't pull Jesus out of this text. And then if you look at verse 32, Paul literally spells it out. He says marriage is about Jesus. I'm telling you this is a mystery, but here's what I want you to know, that marriage is about Jesus. So get this from the very beginning. There is no way to have a meaningful, God-honoring marriage if Christ is not the center of it. Now, understand this. I know lost people that have a good marriage. They don't have a God-honoring marriage. Okay, because you cannot have a God honoring marriage, a marriage that says God is good, God is great. You cannot have that kind of marriage unless it is built upon Jesus Christ at the very center of it. However, most of us not only take Christ out of the center of it, we don't even include Christ in our thought process on marriage. Paul says this, that marriage is all about Christ, but we live and act and think as if Jesus don't even exist. And listen, I, I, you, you think I'm, I'm not talking from experience there. I go throughout most of my days and act as if Jesus is not a real living being. We just, we don't pay him any attention. He's not there in our minds at all. Is it any wonder that our marriages are falling apart when we take what binds them together at the seams and we cast him out? 
I'm going to make a bold statement. Some of you might not like this, but I believe this is the truth based on what the Bible teaches. I don't believe that you can be saved, much less have a God-honoring marriage, if you at the very least don't have some desire to have Christ at the center of all you do, including marriage. If you're here this morning and Christ is not even on your radar, Christ is not even the center of your life, I don't believe you can actually know Jesus if you don't want him to be the center of your life. Everything in this world trains us to think about ourselves first, but we as Christians know that above all, we put Jesus first. The beautiful thing is that as we do that, as we live lives that put Jesus in the center, that put Jesus in the first place, we find the secret to a great marriage. It's putting Jesus at the center. So I want you to see this morning that marriage is all about Jesus, and marriage displays Jesus' love and commitment for, this, for us. Look, look at verse 32. He says, he says literally, this is about Jesus and the church. We need to understand something this morning, church. Marriage has a message, okay? When you, are, when you get married, you are actually becoming involved in a message. God instituted marriage to paint a picture to the world of his love and commitment to his bride, the church, okay? So picture this for me. Adam and Eve in the garden together, right? God, that's when God created marriage, when Adam and Eve were in the garden. No sin had yet come into the world. God said, I'm going to create marriage and I'm going to do it so that when they mess up, they will know that I'm like a husband who pursues his bride and I'm going to come save them. Before there was ever sin in the world, God created marriage to tell us about Jesus. And when you get involved in marriage, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the middle of that message. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see what kind of husband Jesus is this morning. Paul says that marriage is a symbol of Jesus and the church. And in the symbol, we're the bride and Jesus is the husband. And I want you to see what kind of husband Jesus is. Because a lot of times we don't think about this. Men, if this kind of talk makes you uncomfortable, listen, uh, the Bible offends everybody. So you have to deal with Jesus being your husband, okay? So Jesus is our husband. But I want you to see what kind of husband he is. Look at... Look at, let, me, let me tell you what kind of husband he is. Christ is the husband who was willing to pursue us. How many of you, how many of you, husband, you husbands in here, you pursued that wife until you got a ring on her finger, right? Boy, you took her out. You took her on dates. You bought her nice stuff. All that stopped now. You got married and you ain't, you ain't been on a date since. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Here's what I want you to see. Distance was not an issue for Jesus. He left heaven and came to earth and even went through sin to get to us. He pursued us. He was like the hound of heaven. Once he caught our trail, he did not let off of us. He's the kind of husband who looks to us in our sin and says, I'm going to save you, and it doesn't matter how far you've gone. Listen, some of you are here this morning, and you honestly believe that you've gone too far for Jesus to save you. You honestly believe, well, I know that Jesus can save me, but I've got to do a little bit better first. I've got to act better. I've got to be better. I've got this in my life I need to get cleaned up first. I want you to see that when Jesus left heaven and came to earth, he came to find you in all your dirt and all your sin, and when he found you, he didn't say you need to get cleaned up first. He said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to make you new. Question for you husbands, is your wife becoming a more beautiful person because she's married to you? 
We're supposed to become more beautiful because we've been married to Jesus. Is your wife becoming not, not, not more beautiful like, oh, well, she's looking in, looking in the mirror and every day's better. Listen, gravity's going to win, okay? Eventually, eventually, she ain't going to be more beautiful. But listen, although I think my wife beats it. She's not in here, so I didn't get brownie points for that. Is your wife becoming a more beautiful person? Jesus is the kind of husband who will never leave us no matter what. You see, some of us in our mar- in, are in marriages that say, man, we're in this thing just as long as that other person gives me what I want. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to save you. He looks at us and he says, I'm not going anywhere. My question for some of you this morning in marriage is men and women, is how often are you thinking about, man, I'd really like to get out of this? Because Jesus is the kind of husband who said, I'm never going anywhere. Here's what I want you to see this morning. This is the gospel, okay? We were destined to die and be condemned to hell. But we had a Savior who pursued us and took our place on the cross and will never leave us until the day he brings us into heaven. I don't know how many of you know the Old Testament really well, but there's an illustration of this in the Old Testament. It's a story called Hosea and Gomer. And Hosea was a prophet of God. And here's what God came to Hosea one day. He said, God came to Hosea and he said, Hosea, you know there's a pro- the prostitute in town? And Hosea was like, well, not personally, I don't know her God. But, and that was a joke, ha, 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 Okay. He said, and Hosea said, yeah, God, I know you're talking about. He said, I want you to go marry that prostitute. Hosea's like, no, no, God, I can't marry that prostitute. And God looks at Hosea and he says, here's why I want you to go marry her. That's going to be a symbol of my love for my people. Because, and this, this is the words of the Bible. I don't want this to offend you. But God says, my people have, the literal translation is whoring on me. My people are whoring on me. They're cheating on me. They're being filthy to me. They're not being loyal to me. He said, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love them anyway. And just like that prostitute is filthy and dirty, I want you to go love her. And so Hosea goes and he marries the woman. And get this, you would think a prostitute who comes out of a a bad situation like that, she would just be so grateful to have Hosea, right? No, she cheats on him not once, not twice, but three times. She cheats on him three times. Hosea literally has a child born into his house who he names, this is not my child. Can you imagine your dad naming you that? This is not my child. God, that's not great, right? This is not my child. And listen, this woman continually cheats on Hosea, continually cheats on him until one day she leaves him all together and doesn't come back. Hosea is at home with, with little, that's not my child. And, and he's asking, where's, where's my mom? Where's my mom? Hosea don't know. And then God comes to Hosea and he says, I know she's cheated on you twice now. I want you to go back and get her again. And when Hosea finally finds Gomer, The picture we get is of a slave auction. Gomer is probably stripped almost naked before a group of men who are bidden to buy her. And and Hosea says, I'll pay whatever it costs. Give me my wife back. She's mine. And here's what I want you to see this morning. When I tell you marriage is a display of the kind of love and commitment that Christ has for us, that's the kind of love and commitment Christ has for us that we can have continually and constantly sinned against God, but that he will come for us and he will find us and he will make us beautiful again. This is the message that our marriages communicate. Are you beginning to see this morning why marriage is such a big deal. 
It's a big deal because we have been called to be so committed to our spouses in the way that we love them and care for them that we paint a picture to the outside world that I love this woman the same way Jesus loves me. I love this man the same way that Jesus loves me. That's a big deal. This is why divorce is such a big deal. Because when Christians get divorced, what they're saying is Jesus will gladly leave his people. And Jesus doesn't. I got a quote I want to read to you. It's a long quote, but y'all, I want y'all to read it with me. It says this, Staying married, therefore, is not about staying in love. It's about keeping covenant. Till death do us part, or as long as we both shall live, is sacred covenant promise. The kind that Jesus made with his bride when he died for her. Therefore, what makes divorce and remarriage so horrific in God's eyes is not merely that it involves covenant breaking to the spouse, but it involves misrepresenting Christ and his covenant to the world. Christ will never leave his wife ever. There may be times of painful distance and tragic backsliding on our part, but Christ keeps his covenant forever. Marriage is a display of that. That is the most ultimate thing we can say about it. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Marriage is not about you. And there are many of you in here who you feel trapped and you feel like you're in a prison in your marriage. And the main reason I can almost assure you is that you are so focused on yourself that Christ is not even in your mind. Stop focusing on yourself. Before I move on, I want to say this. Some of you are having a hard time in marriage this morning because you're trying to display a message that you don't really believe in understand what I'm saying with that? You're you're trying to display a message that Jesus Christ is the best husband in all the world. And when I was in my sin, he came to me and saved me from everything. He's such a good husband. You're trying to display that message and you don't really believe in Jesus Christ in that way. And here's what I want to offer you this morning. I want you to see the Savior that you're being offered in Christ. I want you to see the husband that's out to save you this morning. He died on the cross so that you could have eternal life. And this morning, if that's you and you know, I have never surrendered my life to Jesus and I'm struggling so much in marriage because I don't really believe this. Listen, surrender your life to Christ today and start actually living out the message. And some of you, you've been here and like, that's a hard thing for you to fathom because you've been coming to this church for a year and a half and other churches your whole life and you can't really fathom that you, wouldn't, you, don't, you, that you don't really believe in Christ. Listen, there's a difference between knowing about somebody and loving somebody. And you cannot picture Christ. You cannot display Christ to the world if you don't really love Jesus. I want you to see this too. Marriage finds hope in Jesus. The ultimate struggle in your marriage this morning, I don't know have a ton of different issues going on. A lot of you do have a ton of different issues going on. Here's what I want you to understand. The ultimate struggle in your marriage is that you're still married to a sinner. I don't care how good you think you are and how bad you think your husband or wife is, you're still married to a sinner. And everybody said, who's married said, amen, right? We're all sinners in this room. But the good thing is we have a Savior who gives us victory over sin. So here's what I want, here's what I want to make sure you know this morning. We're all 
morning, but we don't have to stay in sin. God gives us the power through his grace, Titus 2, 11 and 12, for us to overcome sin. And you want to know what the greatest hope in marriage is? That you're married to a sinner who don't have to keep on committing the same sins. And the only hope that two sinful people will have in marriage is that there's a Savior who offers grace to get them through the worst of the worst. And now I want to let this this whole marriage series be something of an encouragement to people who are struggling this morning. You might be here, and a lot of you, I I don't doubt that there are people here this morning who are on the verge of divorce. I don't doubt that. I know how well people hide things. And this marriage series in your mind and your heart, it really may be your last option. It might be your last hope at God doing something to save this marriage. And here's what I want you to know. Jesus Christ, if you're there this morning, can give you the power of grace and forgiveness to get through a difficult marriage. And here, understand this, your marriage might be hard the rest of your life. I mean, it might be a real hard, life-sucking thing the rest of your life. And here's what I'm going to tell you. God can get you through it. Christ can provide you the strength to get you to the day where you draw your last breath. And I firmly believe, let me, let me just explain this to you this morning because I've been talking with some people who are in this kind of boat. I firmly believe that it is better to live a life with, in a marriage that is hard and honor God and die than it is to get a divorce and be happy. I firmly believe that on the day you draw your last breath, you would have rather stayed in a hard marriage than get a divorce. And I want to plead with you this morning. If you're here and you're struggling with this, don't stay in the dark about this. Darkness is the own ramp to destruction. You understand what I'm saying? When you come in this room and you hide how you're really doing, what you're saying is, I don't need any help. I can handle it on my own. And I can promise you, you can't handle it on your own because the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. If your marriage is falling apart this morning, tell somebody. Tell me, tell Jeremy, tell somebody you want to pray with. I don't care. Tell anybody. And let me tell you this. The church for a long time has not been a safe place with people who are struggling in marriage, and that'll never be the case here. If you're struggling this morning in marriage, there is no safer place you can come than to me or to Jeremy or to your connect group because I will not judge you. I will not presume falsely on you, but I will understand that marriage is hard and marriage with a sinner is worse. And we want to help you. And I don't care what your church experience has been before, but it will not be like that here. And if anybody has issues with that, the best place you can go is another church. What we want you to understand is that it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay not to be okay. You could be here this morning, and it could be hard. But it's not okay to stay that way. The last thing I want you to see about marriage being built on Jesus is that marriage pushes us toward Jesus. Look at verse 27, if you got your Bible open. It says this, so that he might present, this is Jesus' goal, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus' goal in our salvation was our sanctification. Okay, let me explain that to you. Jesus' goal when he saved us was to make us beautiful people, make us into people who are like him. So side note for just a second, if you've been saved for 15 years and you don't look any more like Jesus today than you did 15 years ago, you were not saved 15 years ago. Jesus' goal was to make us into beautiful people. 
to sanctify us, to make us put away sin, to clean us up. And the only way for two sinners to have a God honor in marriage is for them to grow into this. So, I, and let me explain to you just for a little second what I mean by that. Marriage is not, Christ is not so much concerned about your personal happiness in marriage as he is your personal holiness. And I really, I really pray, and I, I, I believe this with all my heart, I'm not as sinful of a person. I'm still a wicked sinner. But I think I'm not as sinful in a lot of areas today than I was three and a half years ago. Because God has used my marriage to sanctify me and to make me put away certain things that I've always struggled with. And let me, I, and I'm, my wife's not in here, but I want you to know I say this to her all the time. Or I don't, not all the time. It's not like I just tell her this. But like I've said this often. I could have married any other woman in this world and been just as happy as I am with Jenna but I could not have married another woman in this world and been just as holy. Because I'm going to tell you why God paired me with Jenna. He wasn't concerned with my personal happiness in the whole marriage. He paired me with a woman who was going to push me to become more like Christ. And I got to be honest with you, I don't have the option of leading in my home. If I take off the pants, she'll put them on, okay? You know what? I got to step up. And you know what, ladies? I pray that you would do that for some of your men. Because they won't get up and lead until you start forcing them to. Now, I don't mean you, we're going to talk more about that in just a second until I'm getting ahead of myself. So I want to ask you this. In your marriage, how are you growing personally? Are you growing in Scripture? Are you reading the Bible? Are you praying? Are you worshiping together? Do you read the Bible together? Jeremy mentioned that, that to this morning. And I, I got to thinking, you know, a marriage that's truly built on Jesus, they'll read the Bible together. I don't know what your experience is with that. And you're probably thinking, man, when we do that, it's going to be weird. The first 10 times you read the Bible with your spouse, it's going to be really weird. You're going to open the Bible up and you're going to say, baby, we're going to read the scripture. You're going to say, baby, what did you think about it? And she's going to say, I don't know. And she's going to say, what did you think about it? And you're going to say, I don't know. And then you're going to pray and close it and nothing's going to be accomplished, right? But you don't do it because it's comfortable. You do it over and over and over again because you're determined to grow in holiness in your marriage. Here's a crazy idea for the week ahead of you. Especially those of you in connect groups. After you read the Bible by yourself, why don't you read it with your spouse? Maybe even throw your kids in there and have a circus of a time, right? Marriage is about growing. And I want to ask you this, and only you can answer this. Married couples, is your marriage built on Jesus? Is your marriage built on Jesus? You know in your heart whether Christ is at the center of everything. And only you can put him there. So that's the first thing. Marriage, that's the first foundation. Marriage is built on Jesus. Our marriages must be built on Jesus. Here's the second foundation I want you to see. Marriage is built on service and sacrifice. Marriages are built on service and sacrifice. I, I literally hate with a passion that I don't have time to go in to depth on this teaching, uh, on the roles of men and women. But if I were to go into the roles of men and women, this is no exaggeration. We would be here till 1245 and nobody wants that, right? So we're going, I, I'm literally going to have to just sum up what these things are doing and put in a... I think if you read the scripture here and you look at the roles of men and women in marriage, you could sum up the foundation that marriage is supposed to be built on into service and sacrifice. This is literally a detailed description of what our lives and our relationships with our spouses should look like. And I want to show you where I get this from the text. Look at verse 22. Let's, uh, I'm going to let Russ put that up there for us. Verse 22. We're going to read 22 through 24 real quick. It says this. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. All right, let me ask you something. So this is talking about wives and husbands, wives relating to their husbands. The Bible says that you should relate to your husbands as the church does to Christ. How does the church relate to Christ? They relate, we relate to Christ with total surrender. When we are saved, we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, here's our life, and we lay it before him, and we don't get to call any shots anymore. Total surrender. Jesus, you call the shots. We relate to Jesus in total sacrifice. We lay our lives down and say, God, I'm willing to lose anything and everything for you. Jesus said, no man is fit to follow me who does not deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay? We're literally sacrificing our very lives, and we, sacrifice, and we lay our lives down in service. We say, Jesus, I want to serve you the rest of my life. So wives should relate to their husband and surrender and sacrifice and service. But look at verse 25. It says, 25 to 30 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm just going to stop right there because that summed it up. How did Christ love us? He died for us. He also washed our feet in service. He got down and washed our stinking, nasty feet in service. And then he died on a cross for us. That's service and sacrifice. And what I want you to see is that marriage is built literally on the foundation of service and sacrifice. God is literally telling both the man and the woman, regardless of what sex you are, regardless of what you do in the home and what your wife does, regardless of who cuts the grass and who washes the dishes, that you should be living in such a way that you're laying down your life in service and sacrifice for the other person. And now... I see very few marriages that embody this, if I could just be honest. I very rarely see any marriages that do great at this. Service and sacrifice are the most commonly ignored foundation. But mark my words, no marriage will truly be God-honoring until we build our marriages on service and sacrifice. The reason that so many marriages lack service and sacrifice is simple. It's our selfishness. For some reason, we get married and we start to believe that the other person's sole purpose is our happiness. Now, don't act like that. Y'all don't understand what I'm talking about there. When we get married, we begin to act like, well, she ain't done this for me. He ain't done this for me. They ain't done this or this. I I ain't cooking them no supper. They ain't even helped me wash dishes last night. For some reason, we start to base what, all, what we're going to do on what somebody else does or does not do. We base our service for them on their service to us, like their sole purpose is our happiness. So we all get married to be served by another person when God's supposed to be using marriage to teach us to serve and to sacrifice for the other person. The best advice I can give you this morning is if you're here and your marriage is struggling, I want you for the next week to not worry about yourself one time. Not ask, what's she done for me? What's he done for me? But for the next week, go and serve the crap, sorry for that language, out of your spouse and see what happens. I like how R. Kent Hughes, you got that quote right there? He says this, many Christians have adopted the ego-centered canon of self-fulfillment as the ground for their marriage. Marriage is seen more as an alliance to promote personal growth than a lifelong commitment to love and service. Thus, when difficulties arise, Christian men and women simply step out of the situation much as one does from a change of clothes. 
What's he saying? He's saying, we think the other person is supposed to make us happy, and so when things stop going our way, we take them off like we change our clothes. What kind of view of marriage do we actually have that we're willing to change that so quickly? So I'm gonna get, let's be really practical here for just a few seconds. What does it mean to serve your spouse? Service is when you use your power to help or love another person. Service is when I take my energy and I use it to help someone else. This is what Christ did for us. He used his power to help and love. He used his power to save sinners like us. Look at, if you got, more, if you got your Bible, you can mark this later. You can go to it now if you can get there fast. Mark 10, 45 says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Understand this. When God came to earth, God came in all power and all strength. And when he got here, he didn't say, everybody bow. He got here and he picked up the towel and he started serving. You want to know how, if you have a servant's heart? How do you respond when other people treat you like a servant? Because some of y'all don't like to be treated like a servant. You're like, oh, who's it? This is me. This is me. Who's she talking to? Who are you talking to like that? We don't like to be treated like servants. But here's what I'd have you understand. That service by definition implies strength. You want to know why? Because you're helping. The other person cannot do it on their own. See, what we have is we have a messed up view of how this thing's supposed to work because we think if we serve, we're weaker. Man, we don't like to serve. She's telling me what to do. You're the strong one when you serve. You're being like Jesus. We're called to be like Christ now and serve our spouses. This isn't complicated. Listen, serving your spouse isn't complicated. It just takes caring enough to find out what your spouse needs. And the main problem we have in a lot of marriages this morning is that you do not care enough to find out what your spouse needs. Men, for you, this means that you don't get to sit on the couch. You know what? Oh, man, football season, movies, I love football season. I'm a movie fanatic. You know what? I ha I've been trying for four days to watch The Hunt for Red October. For four days, I've been trying to watch this movie. You know what? I don't get to sit on the couch very much anymore because I have to get up, and I have to work, and I have to serve. Now, that's not to puff myself up because my wife would say, he's been trying to watch that movie for four days, right? Ask your wife how you can help. And when she answers, do it. And don't take no for an answer. Listen, some of y'all, your wife tells you no, and what it's showing is that she thinks you're incapable of doing something. For a long time, my wife wouldn't let me wash clothes, and it wasn't because she wanted me to, she didn't want me to help out. It's because she thought, okay? Amen, right? I had to learn. I got married at 19. I was like, everything in the hamper at one time. And then I messed up like a $70 pair of blue jeans that she'd had for like 12 years, right? So didn't wash clothes for a long time. Didn't get talked to for a few days, okay? Don't take no for an answer, guys. If she thinks you're incapable of something, prove her wrong. And here's a crazy idea. When she asks you to do something, men, do it. Do it. And don't gripe and complain like a three-year-old the whole time. Let me tell you what's not attractive and not sexy to a woman at all. A powder. I've never met the woman who was like, 
mm, he's pouting and I think he's hot, right? <laughs> it just don't happen. We have a Savior who is willing to wash his disciples' filthy feet. We have a bunch of husbands who aren't willing to wash the plate they ate on. And I'm not saying you're a bad husband if you don't wash dishes. I'm not saying you're a bad husband if you don't do certain things around the house. What I'm saying is the picture I see in the Bible and the picture I see in a lot of our lives just don't add up. For the ladies, when it comes to serving your husband, I want you to start asking yourself this question. How can I make his life better? How can I make his life better? Because as I was preparing the sermon, notice I didn't say easier, okay? Better, not easier. You're not his mom. When I was preparing this sermon, I got to thinking a lot about my marriage. And one thing that, I really, that really, God really brought to my mind is that I've only been married for three years now. Uh, this March was three years. So one of the things that really God brought to my heart was I've been married for three years, and God, my, there's not been very many days that my life has been harder or worse because I've been married to Jenna. Every day when she gets up, it's like, she thinks to herself, how can I make his life a little bit better today? And then you know what she does? Small, innumerable things that make my life a great place to be. I honestly wish, I honestly wish that some of you men could experience the kind of wife that makes her life, makes your life better. Not easier, but better. Wives, do you have a desire to do that for your husband? Because sometimes what happens is y'all just get so fed up, y'all like, I ain't even dealing with him anymore, Right? God didn't say, serve him if he serves you well. God said, serve him. Are you serving the way Christ served you? That's a question for everybody. Single, married, divorced, remarried, are you serving the way Christ has served you? But marriage is also built on sacrifice. It says, or my definition for sacrifice is this. It's an act of denying yourself for the sake of someone else. Okay, when I sacrifice something, I deny what I want, what I think would be better for me, for somebody else. Again, here Christ teaches us what sacrifice is. He denied himself the pleasures of heaven and for the sake of miserable sinners came to earth. Read, if you got a Bible, Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this. It says, who though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Just like Jesus emptied himself for us, now we're called to empty ourselves for our spouse. Being practical. Men, I know it seems like I'm probably hitting you hard, but if I could just be honest here, this is where my, my heart gets uh, just turned over as I think about men and women in marriages. I look at the way we treat our wives, guys, and to be honest, we just don't get what it means to sacrifice. We, we have no concept. We might really love our wives, but most of us don't sacrifice anything for them. We're unwilling to sacrifice what we want, anything we want to do, or anything that's important to us for their sake. Most of the time, we don't even really know what's important to them if we wanted to sacrifice in the first place because back to the first thing, we don't care enough. And it just bothers me tremendously that we got a bunch of wives who go home to marriages where they might feel some physical affection, but they don't feel a soul connection because their husband's not willing to sacrifice anything. 
And we had a Savior who was willing to empty himself for his bride by dying on a cross, but we have men in this church who are unwilling to give an inch for their wives. Bluntly, men, let me ask you this. When is the last time you sacrificed a hobby, a material possession that you wanted, or time that you wanted to do something else for your wife? When's the last time you said, well, I really wanted to go hunting today, but I ain't going to. I'm saying hunting right now because hunting season's out and I ain't picking on nobody. I'm looking above everybody, all right? When's the last time you said, I'll give up buying that new boat, golf clubs. I'll give up going to hunt, to fish, just so I can spend some time with you. And if you got children, let me tell you something. You better learn how to do it because they're watching. And ladies, don't be the Holy Spirit here, okay? God don't need your help. Don't be, when you get out of church today, don't go to your husband and say, did you hear what Dallas said? You need to start sacrificing something for me. That's not going to help any. And truth be told, wives, I look at a lot of marriages and I see that women are not much better at this. Some of you ride your husbands like pack mules. I mean, I, I've been in situations before when I praise, I leave and I go home and I praise God that I'm not married to certain women. And that, 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 sounds, that sounds horrible, but I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Because some of you ride your husbands like pack mules and you aren't the least bit willing to empty yourself for his sake. One of the main things God's out to do in our marriages is to teach us to be more like Jesus. That's the reason he calls us to service and sacrifice. So I'm going to ask you this. You've been married for one year now, two years now, three years now. You're getting married. You want to be married are you growing in service and sacrifice? I've never seen a miserable woman whose husband served her and sacrificed her. I've, ne for, I've never seen a miserable man whose wife, husband, and sacrificed for. And the reality is this morning, we all have a messed up view of marriage. Our view of what God says marriage is is too small. We need to have a God-sized view of marriage this morning. And I'm praying that today some of you would get that. And as we close, I want to spend some time in prayer for our marriages, if that's all right with y'all. What I'd really like to do, and listen, this altar is not somewhere you come when things are going bad. What I'd really like to do is if you're married here at all today, will you come and pray and just pray that God would help you have a marriage that displays Christ? You want to see some people get saved? If every one of our marriages said, Jesus loves you, a lot more people would be getting saved. If you're married today, would you just come and pray that you would build your marriage on the right foundation? Everything could be going good or everything could be going bad. Would you just come and pray for your marriage? Would you come and pray for the other marriages? If your marriage is struggling today, don't stay in the dark right now. Come and pray. Come pray down here. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come and stand over in the corner with me today. And I, I want you to come pray with me or with Jeremy or with anybody on the prayer team. If they're not down here, I want them to come over. Because listen, this is not the place where you will be beat up because your marriage is struggling. This is the place where you will say, you will hear us say, it's okay not to be okay. And it's, but it's not okay to stay that way. God's got plans still. Maybe even today, let's do something real crazy. Let's love each other like Christians. And as people are down here praying for their marriages, when you get done praying for yours, why don't you pray for theirs too? Why don't you come to somebody who you know is struggling and say, I want to pray for it. I want to pray for you. Is that okay? Let's say it like we actually might love each other. And lastly, I want to close with this. Some of you here today, 
And your most desperate need is not your marriage. Your most desperate need is your soul. You may know all about Jesus. I don't doubt that you have a good knowledge of him. But like I said earlier, there's a difference between knowing about someone and loving them. And if you do not love Jesus, then you are not saved. But I want you to see today that there is a Savior who loved you to the point of service and death. He left his throne on high and came through the dirt and the mud to save you. And when he got you, he didn't find you and say, you need to get cleaned up. You're not worth it. He found you and said, I'm never going anywhere and we're going to get through it. And some of you today, you're like Gomer in that story. God's pursuing you. I believe that God's pursuing people still. And some of you today is the day that God's going to run you down and save you. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to close out like this. If you are here today and you believe that God is pursuing your soul and you want to surrender your life to Christ in faith and be saved, I would ask you just to slip up your hand. If that's you today and you think, I need to give my life to Christ, I want to be saved, would you just slip up your hand? We're going to pray then. God, I believe that you still want to do amazing things in our marriages. God, I believe that you still want to save marriages that are struggling. I believe that you still want to work in our lives. That you're a God who has not left us, but you're a God who has pursued us through everything. And Jesus, I pray today that those who are hurting and struggling would come to find you in this moment. And dear God, I pray that you would do amazing things in our marriages. In Christ's name I pray, amen.